leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Yeah, it's getting, I actually did just get it cut recently. It's uh, it's funny how pandemics, oh. <laughs> we are live. We're live. Yeah, we're not doing the intro video, Chris. It's okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Breaking Into Cybersecurity. My name is Naomi Buckwalter, and we are live. We were just talking about hair, but uh, <laughs> we can table that for later. Hair is great, isn't it, guys? Yes, we all agree. 100%. <laughs> I have considerably less than the three of you. <laughs> uh, well, it's so exciting to be here, especially because it's my first time ever hosting a podcast. So we'll see how this goes. Yes. But um, I just want to do a quick round of introductions. So let's get started. Why don't you tell us about yourself? Uh, Michael, let's start with you. Uh, sure. My name is Michael Meese. I lead the security team for the University of Kansas Health System. I've been in cybersecurity for about 13 years, um, mostly in the federal government space, and then a little bit of time with H&R Block as well. Oh, thank you for being here. And let's jump over to Liz. Hi, everybody. My name is Liz McConaughey. Um, I am the senior technical recruiter at Studio. I have been recruiting now for, man, like six years. It's kind of crazy. And um, it's actually how I have met you, Naomi, was through recruiting. So that's really <laughs> exciting. Fun fact. Joseph says, hi. What's up, Joseph? Lawrence. Hey, Lauren. Let us know in the comments where you're calling in from. Remember, we're here to answer your questions about breaking into cybersecurity, the issues that we're seeing in cybersecurity. We have great representation here. But before I do that, let's go into Jessica. You're next. Hey, everybody. I'm Jessica True. I am a cybersecurity analyst at Beam. Um, being dental. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I met Naomi. Um, and I've been in cybersecurity for all of one year. Um, but it's been a very exciting and jam-packed year and I'm excited to share it with you. <laughs> awesome. Good. Because we have a, our listeners are from all over the world and they're all in different career stages. So we have a CISO here in Michael. We've got a recruiter here with Liz and a brand new person, awesome, awesome person in cybersecurity in Jessica. And so we're here to answer your questions, guys. But I do have a question for all three of you. Uh, and we'll make this into a game because I like games. Uh, you know, basically the game is if you answer the question, well, I'll give you points. The points absolutely don't matter, but I will give you points because I love points. Let's <laughs> <laughs> okay. make it competitive. Yeah, exactly. 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 All right. So the first question is, what is your opinion on the biggest issue facing candidates trying to break into cybersecurity today? So what again, what in your opinion is the biggest issue facing the candidates trying to break into cybersecurity today? Let's do the round, the, re the revolving roulette of spinning thing uh, and pick a person. I pick Michael. <laughs> um, so I think the biggest challenge that's facing candidates is that what they hear and what they experience regarding cybersecurity are two vastly different things. 
Um, we've heard about this job shortage that has, you know, we've been talking about that for what, five, six years, I think was when we first started hearing about that. And the, that's only gotten louder. And we hear about the half a million open jobs, et cetera. And then they go to apply to these jobs and they find out they're either not there, they don't qualify for them. They have no way to get in touch with anyone, et cetera. And so I think honestly, the biggest challenge is discouragement um, is that they they hear about all these career paths, but they don't know how to get there because it seems like it's all made up when they actually go to experience it. Um, and, and I think we've kind of brought that on ourselves in a lot of ways um, and, and created that. And I think it's going to make the, the, uh, that, that talent shortage and that talent gap worse as time goes on if we don't do something about it. What a fantastic answer. A hundred points for Michael. <laughs> yes, a hundred. Yeah. Again, the points don't matter. You don't win any prizes, but just put that down on your, yeah, you have a hundred points. Uh, Liz, we'll go to you since you're a tech recruiter in this industry. Yeah. Um, so uh, Michael made a lot of really good points. Um, I think what I'm going to say, it, it, it's not just for folks who want to get into cybersecurity, but honestly, anybody who's sort of looking to make that career transition what I've seen and what is like my biggest pet peeve in um, in the recruitment and interviewing uh, side of things is that so many times you'll see all of this coaching advice on LinkedIn, like go out and network or make sure you have an updated resume. But nobody actually goes through and gives the practical step by step for what does appropriate networking look like? How are you going to get the best response? What does an appropriate updated resume look like? What are in fact, you know, they say go out and do projects. OK, well, how do you find them? Like what kind of projects do recruiters and hiring managers actually want to see? And there just needs to be more practical advice and less fluff. That's really what, what gets me. So yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge at the moment. Ooh, uh, Michael, I think Liz gave a better answer. She gave problems <laughs> and solutions, specific examples. She used the STAR method. I like it. I like it. Uh, Liz, 150 points for you. <laughs> Again, I've got ground to make up on the next question. <laughs> uh, Jessica, what do you think? Okay, so this is really just coming from opinion for me because I don't have a lot of direct experience with this, but from the young people or people of all ages that I've talked to who are trying to get in, um, some of the things that I see are uh, entry level, things being marked as entry level on a job listing that really aren't entry level. And that adds to that discouragement factor. If you think you're applying for something that you're eligible for, but really they're it's just the computer or a software is slapping on a label that's incorrect. Um, that adds to um, that feeling. And additionally, I think it's a lack of um, creativity in the minds of those who are hiring. Like you need to have a degree in this specific set of fields to be qualified. I think uh, that shows up, uh, Liz and I both have experience with opera and that can show up there too, where, um, We'll only consider you if you're singing an aria from that specific opera. No, look for like the related skills that they could have from a different field. They are transferable. All right. Um, I want to say I'm going to give you 100 points, but, but plus 10 points because you mentioned opera singing. And I want to bring that back. <laughs> Because Jessica, you were an opera singer, were you not? Like, uh, tell me how you, well, since I know this story, tell us how you went from opera singing into cybersecurity. What an interesting journey that must have been. <laughs> well, it was more of a, 
not even a stumble, just a, a falling down the rabbit hole, very incidental. So <laughs> I was doing a, a post-grad program in opera, the pandemic hit, um, everything shut down. And so I was hit with this feeling of what am I doing with my life right now? And the lovely Liz came like my angel <laughs> and posted about this job at Beam Dental, an internship in cybersecurity where they were going to train you from the ground up, which sounded almost too good to be true, in an opera singer forum. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm qualified for that. So I went and talked to other people in the tech field. They're like, Jessica, why not? You have all of these transferable skills. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And I applied. And that was the one job that I applied for. And I got it and I loved it. And I wasn't really make planning a career change to cyber, but it drew me in. And then I was like, opera, you need to take a back seat. Cyber has taken my heart. Oh, <laughs> I love plus another 10 points. That was, that was awesome. Um, all right. I'm going to like slowly ask you about your backgrounds too, but I want to get into our next question. So far we have Michael with a hundred points, Liz, 200 points, Jessica, you're in second place with 120 points. So I like this next question, please. Here is what in your opinion is the biggest issue facing hiring managers? trying to hire in cybersecurity. I know, Jessica, you already mentioned a little bit about hiring managers. Do you want to add on to that answer? Uh, so I'll pass it over to you. Um, I think it really, I think I really addressed it in my previous answer. <laughs> Jumped the question. <laughs> it's okay. I will pass this on to one of my other very qualified colleagues. Sounds good. Michael, why don't you tell us about how you broke into cybersecurity and then you can answer the question too. Yeah, so I probably have one of the more direct paths to cybersecurity um, than most people. I joined the Army at a relatively young age, and um, there was a cyber component to what I was doing for the Army, um, mainly around uh, transmission communication. Um, and then after I got out, I started supporting the, the government as a consultant, um, you know, working in that space, and it kind of developed into more of a pure cyber role. Um, so as far as paths into cybersecurity, it's one of the more direct ones. Um, it, I, I don't have a cool opera background or anything. Um, but one of the things that has been fun is the path that I've taken as I've gotten to experience really every piece of cybersecurity. Um, I've been, you know, on the identity space, I've been in GRC, incident response, um, engineering, et cetera. And so I've gotten to see all those different pieces of it. Um, some of them I'm better at than others, but uh, being able to see kind of how each of them work up close and personally um, has, has helped me as I've continued to grow my career to understand the differences between them. Awesome. Um, what do you think are the biggest issues facing hiring managers today? Um, I think honestly, the biggest one, so when I think of hiring managers, I think usually at the manager level who are hiring individual contributors. And I think one of the biggest challenges those managers are facing is that their directors and CISOs are failing them. Um, because a lot of our budgets do not account for positions like what Jessica had, where you have an entry level position where we know we're paying you and we know we're probably not getting value back for the first six months that you're there. 
Um, it is more of a long-term investment. And so when we add headcount, when we add um, new projects, it's always with the understanding that we're bringing in mid or senior level people who are going to be able to work on that. And we don't do a good enough job saying, no, you know, we need to hold on this project or we can't do this and really making a focus on developing those pipelines. And so when we talk about people process and talent or people process technology, um, that's what investing in people actually means is investing in those long-term um, the long-term outputs of your people and growing those pipelines. And it's just not something that most executive leaders are focused on. And so it puts hiring managers in a really difficult situation where they've got this job wreck they've got to fill and you're not qualified for it because it's a senior level role. Um, and so being able to um, put more focus on that, I think would take some of that burden off of the hiring managers and give them the space to actually focus on developing people. Hmm. Lots to think about there. I love that. Thank you for your service, by the way. Uh, plus 400 points just for all that stuff. Again, the points don't matter and they're completely arbitrary. They make absolutely no sense. Well, I'll be giving away millions of points in a couple of minutes. Uh, Liz, let's over to you since you're a recruiter and you've been in this space for a while. What do you think? Hiring managers. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be some shots fired here. Hiring managers are the problem that hiring managers are facing. <laughs> So like, Michael, you were talking about process, and I'm just going to springboard off of that. Um, I am so tired of seeing so many poor interview processes. And this is not necessarily all the hiring manager's fault. Um, sometimes you get with companies where either there's not, there's either no recruitment team, or there's a very weak recruitment team. And there's not enough effort done to ensure that you are having an equitable and inclusive interview process that is actually able to assess people in a timely fashion. When I hear about interview processes going on for security engineers that are taking like 60 plus days, that's ridiculous. There's just not enough time for that. Everybody needs security now. We all know that. Um, and so hiring managers, like there just needs to be a little more education here. There needs to be more unconscious bias training. There needs to be more um, training specifically around like, what does a good interview process look like? How do you integrate behavioral interviewing and evaluating? I mean, honestly, some of these projects, I think I actually posted about this on LinkedIn a while ago. <laughs> Sometimes I will have folks come to me and say, do you think this is a good, like, functional interview process here, a good project. And I'll look at it and I'm going, well, why do you think it's good? Well, it's because it's the one I had to do in order to get my job. And it's terrible. It's going to take you like two weeks. And it's like, come on, folks. Like, you don't need to do that for an entry level job. You don't need to do that for, um, you know, a senior level role, like right size the work, make sure it's just enough to know that the person can do the job. And it's actually relevant to the work they're going to be doing. So that's my, that's like my condensed rant on that. <laughs> hey, preach 400 points for Liz. That was great. Um, yeah. And so you highlight on a lot of things, Liz, a lot of issues. It really starts with the hiring process, right? Yeah. So um, guys, if you're listening to this, let us know in the comments, what kind of issues that you're seeing facing both candidates and hiring managers. We'd love to bring them on the air. I'd love to give you random points also. So go ahead and put it in the, the chat. What kind of issues are candidates and hiring, hiring managers facing? Uh, I'm facing talking issues right now, but uh, put them in the comments so I can give you points. All right. So Liz, back to you. Yes. You mentioned a lot of just like practical advice. So can you give us just one or two of your best advice tips as a lead recruiter at an awesome company studio? Guys, sign up right now, studio, uh, to, to for, your, for your recruiting team, for your hiring team. 
Yes. Okay. What I would tell a recruiting team is different from a hiring team. Um, what I would tell hiring team is that uh, frequently, I especially in the startup world, there's a huge emphasis on hiring velocity. And I know some people get really anxious when um, when diversity hiring gets talked about because people go, oh my gosh, is this going to slow up our process? And the answer is no, it shouldn't. So don't shy away from that. Um, I think the second thing I would say is like when you're considering the when you're considering an interview process, you should always try and target to have a candidate involved in your interview process no longer than six hours total. That's from like recruiter screen to like final um, final conversations. And that does include like a technical project. Um, the other thing I would talk I would stress to and talk a little bit more about is consider like the pros and cons of whether or not you're doing like an in-person project or a take-home project. Take-home does tend to be more inclusive. You have folks who are neurodiverse. And um, the other thing too is, is you want to most closely mimic how the work is done. In today's remote environment, we are usually on our own. We are accountable for our work. We're managing it um, in our own time. And so those take-home projects really account for that. Um, when I talk to recruiters about recruiting for security, um, I am a big believer, especially for, um, you know, more of the entry level roles to think outside the box as to where they're going to find talent. Um, case in point, I like reached out on a musician group on Facebook and posted and said, hey, everybody, um, because that's a community I know and I know the skills there and that transfer. Um, but that's the thing is you have to get creative and not be afraid to to, um, you know, take a chance on a resume. Uh, because truly there and it's the same thing with like software engineering where I spend a lot of time too recruiting um, is you're going to see really diverse backgrounds and all of those can have some really transferable skills. And so that's my whole thing. Like if the if the candidate has gone through the effort to do all the right things, like take the chance, have the conversation. It is amazing how many times it turns out to be very much worth your effort. Oh, I love it. Transferable skills plus a million points. There he goes. We're in the millions now. Um, Michael, what kind of transferable skills have you seen in your own hiring practices? The biggest one is critical thinking, um, is being able to analyze a problem and come up with a solution in our in our environment. That is the core of absolutely everything that we're doing. Um, that's very difficult to quantify at times. And so, you know, you're going off a lot of feel, which is where it makes it difficult because then that, you know, introduces bias when, from a hiring manager perspective, um, the other that I, I think as far as transferable skills, um, is when it comes to, um, me and a colleague of mine used to call it uh, going down the rabbit hole uh, where they, they get focused on something and they're able to just drive that thing through, you know, through walls, through obstacles, whatever it takes, they get that thing done because that's what a lot of security objectives take in order to get to them is you've got to have this kind of dogged pursuit of getting that thing done. Um, when you talk about from an IR perspective, all the way to a GR, GRC perspective, it all takes that um, kind of continued persistence. And so I generally look for people who are uh, super passionate about something and they've driven again uh, along that thing and have continued to push through um, challenges in order to continue achieving it, whether that's opera, um, whether it's woodworking, whether it's computer gaming, it can take all kinds of forms, but if they're super passionate about it and they've continued to drive towards it, it shows that persistence that I think you need not only to be successful in the short term, but then not burn out and continue being successful. 10 million points for Michael. 
Yes. I love it. Yes. Uh, Michael, clearly in the lead. I'd like to turn it back to Jessica. Jessica, you're in your, your first year in cybersecurity at Beam, uh, and in you've shown passion right in your past life. So tell me about how you've done this personally. And since I already know you, I know you speak three languages. You came from an opera background. You have all this stuff. Like, what have you done to personally show your own passion for cybersecurity? And how has that helped you? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, part of the internship, which you know, because you were my boss, uh, <laughs> uh, was <laughs> a lot of self-guided learning. So um, to tr uh, transition from being an intern to having a full-time job, I spent time outside of my internship and in my internship uh, studying for my Security Plus, which I got in less than three months. Um, and then by the end of this last year, so uh, December of 2021, I got my CYSA+. Um, and now I'm working on, you always just have to have a learning plan. So if you stop, then I get bored if I don't have a new skill that I'm always working on. And that was the same thing with opera. Uh, for example, um, there are a lot of really beautiful traditional operas, Puccini opera, Verdi, but I would get a little bored. So I got really interested into diving into weird non-traditional languages. So I love singing in Norwegian and Swedish and Czech, which are not as common as Italian, French, German, English. Um, and to go back to what I, my new study is, is I'm really interested in the offensive side of things because I've been working so much as a blue teamer. Um, I really, don't have that full understanding of what am I defending against? I want the nitty gritty of how you get in at each stage so that when I'm tuning those, um, my monitoring capabilities, I know exactly what I'm looking for. So uh, have any good pen testing uh, <laughs> um, um, recommendations, let me know. All right, Jessica, a million points for you too. Uh, and here we go with Dennis, a retired military officer just finished getting his master's and getting recruited attention. Uh, okay, how can we help Dennis here? So he seems like he's a retired military officer. Thank you, Dennis, for your service. Uh, I love being an American. I, I can't even tell you that how much I do love America. Uh, and he just finished getting a master's, I'm guessing probably in cybersecurity and getting a recruiter's attention. So uh, we have a recruiter here. This is great. Liz, how can he get your attention? Yeah. So, uh, Dennis, this is a great question here. Um, I will go ahead and say right now that the advice I'm giving is somewhat generalized. Since I haven't actually seen your resume, you may be going, I already have done all these things. And so if you have more specific questions, feel free to reach out to me LinkedIn later. I will take a look. But in general, um, so there are a few things to take into consideration. Um, the first and foremost, the obvious one is like, how is your resume formatted right now? And I know that sounds really, really silly, but there are a lot of organizations, particularly more corporate ones where they actually have the structure and the bandwidth to have some more junior level roles. Usually they have a very sophisticated, a sophisticated applicant tracking system that is going to be automatically scanning resumes. So do you have the keywords in there? Is it in a format that it can actually easily be read? Um, I have worked with folks before that like to get very, very creative with their resumes. And yes, they're beautiful, but like they can't be read by 
any system. And like, that's just the, that's just the matter of life right now is that um, a lot of folks are starting to use more of this automated screening before even reaching a recruiter. Um, and so that's like something you want to be able to take into consideration. Um, the next thing I would say, and this is something I see frequently with folks who have, um, they've gotten their degree, maybe an undergrad degree, master's degree like you, and they go, okay, great. I have the degree, hire me. And like the hard truth is that that's just not enough, especially if you have gotten your master's. And if it's like, even if it's been like two months, um, there's this question of, well, what have you been doing in the meanwhile? What are your projects? Um, and like, I know, I know I mentioned this earlier about like, you know, recruiters saying, oh yeah, go do projects. So how do you get those projects? Um, I would strongly recommend to anybody um, who wants to get into cybersecurity to look for local community efforts um, where your services for free, pro bono, could be very much appreciated. Because let me tell you, there are HOAs, there are neighborhood groups, there are smaller nonprofits, um, city groups where there is just no security. And if you can show them, hey, I spotted these vulnerabilities and I want to fix this for you and have you have be more secure, they will be so grateful. Um, you can also look to, um, there are some groups I can drop later, but, um, but there are groups too of software engineers who are maybe building their own products and maybe they would like to pair up with somebody who has security experience so they can go ahead and start building in security from the get-go whole shift left phenomenon. Um, so, so like a number of ways to do that, but go ahead and start doing it. The worst thing you can do after you graduate is just stop and go, okay, hire me. No, you've got to keep going. You've got to create your own work and your own momentum because the competition is really fierce. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Liz. I see this all the time, too. And just as an aside, uh, as students, you're consuming information that you've gotten from someone else. Now you want to take that and turn it around. Now you provide value to the community by giving your own opinions, doing your own research, putting together articles, and doing the things that can provide value back to the community. That's what makes you stand out. So you don't just put the courses that you've taken and the certificates that you've gotten. You put down literally links to the things that you've done and the contributions that you've made to the community, whether it be a working group, by the way, you can join a working group, contribute to the latest white papers. You don't have to have experience in order to do that. You can contribute. Yes, you can. And you, and you don't need any experience. Trust me. You put that on your resume. You're on a YouTube thing like this. You put that link on your resume, right? All these things will provide value back into community. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I don't have experience. I am not good enough. To, that's BS, you guys. You're only stopping yourself from breaking in. Don't just assume that you're not good enough. Go out there and show the world what you can do because you are special. And every, and gosh darn it, people like you. Uh, Naomi, a million points. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very humble. Um, Mike, Mike, let's, Michael, 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 let's go ask you. Um, uh, do you agree with Liz? Or is there anything else that you would add to that? I mean, I agree with Liz. I think she's amazing. But what else would you add to what she was saying there? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point that the, uh, the I would piggyback off of that to saying there's there's a million different paths towards visibility right now, um, whether that's creating YouTube videos, writing blog posts, et cetera. Um, you know, Naomi, Naomi, like you said, if you're not doing it, um, it, it's really only you that's stopping yourself from going and doing that. Um, and you'd be surprised what kind of value you can create by doing those types of things and how much you learn. And what I've also noticed from our community is they're great at giving feedback when they see these types of products. And they'll say, well, you probably should have thought of this or maybe this is wrong or something like that, um, which then continues your learning journey from there. Um, the other piece that I would add is the, the cybersecurity community is very, very tightly knit. 
um, you can rarely go into a city and not talk to two people who don't at least know each other's names in this in the community, um, especially in a city like I'm in Kansas City and it's a pretty small city comparatively and everybody knows everybody. We've all worked for one of the same five large companies here. Um, and so, um, like Liz said in the beginning, you do need to get out and network, and that's important. And there are tons of local groups. A lot of them have gone virtual now because of COVID, which makes them even more accessible. Um, there's Security KC um, in, in Kansas City, obviously. There's the B-Sides Conference that travels around. There's Secure World. There's all these different places where you can go and they, they often either have free entry or give free entry to people who are trying to break into cybersecurity. Um, so again, it's that investment of your time to increase your visibility and get in front of people um, because no offense to recruiters, Liz, but a lot of the hiring decisions are made before the recruiters even see the rack. Um, hiring managers have somebody in mind and we go and we post a job and we say, hey, go apply to this. I just posted this. Um, and so getting directly to the hiring managers in that network and in that community becomes very, very important. What side of the bridge are you on, Michael? Missouri, but I work uh, on the Kansas side. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, you'd be pleased to know Jessica's actually in Kansas right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, in, I think you're going to Kansas City besides, right, Jessica? Or is that yeah. happening already? Oh, right, I will see you, guys, you there then. Awesome. I hope you guys continue to network. All right. So I know we're actually going to cut this short a little bit today. We're stopping at 1.30. Uh, thank you so much for your time. But I want to final, finalize this by uh, giving us a 30-second recap of what you can suggest to the people listening here if they're trying to break into cybersecurity. Uh, Jessica, we'll start with you. Yeah, on that um, Kansas City reference, uh, I really love the local organizations here. So find your local like women in security chapter. Uh, I really loved WAMSA. They have a wonderful um, mentorship program that I'm currently a part of right now. Reach out and find those resources because people are so much more generous than you think they're going to be. They want to help you. Yeah, you never know who you're helping by asking for their help. I really like that phrase. You might make their day, honestly. <laughs> um, all right, Liz, what do you got? Okay, two fun facts. One other resume fact I forgot to remember. So if y'all take away anything from this, please take this away. Literally, a recruiter or hiring manager will spend only seven seconds reviewing your resume. If they do not see what is on there that they're looking for, they are going to go to the next one. So that is why it is so important to have the right resume. So much more I can say on that, but come back to me later. And when you're networking with people, Michael gave some great examples of where to go out and network with people. Um, when you are approaching a person, whether in person or if you are just even sending them a LinkedIn message, go in with a specific purpose. Don't just say, I hear you can get me a job. Don't go bug the hiring manager saying, here's my resume. Hope you see me. Go in with a specific purpose. Ask questions. Say, I noticed you're an expert in blank. I have some questions on this. If you're wondering why people are not going to meet with you face-to-face -face or give you that Zoom time, it's because it's just too broad and they do not want to manage your job search for you. But they are going to be willing to help if you go in with specifics. Ooh, ah, dropping those truth bombs today, Liz. <laughs> Love it. All right, Michael, bring us home. What kind of advice can you give people listening today? Um, invest in yourself and continuously invest in yourself, um, not only in order to break into cybersecurity, but for the entire time that you're in here. You are always going to be your greatest resource in your job search. And so understand what you're trying to do, where you want to go, what interests you, and then put the effort in, put the work in and invest in yourself so that you can grow towards that. 
Well said, well said. Uh, infinity points for everyone, so we're all tied. <laughs> Good job today. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please reach out to us. I'm sure these guys are on, on the chats right now are happy to help you more. Uh, reach out to anybody if you just want to know more about what they do. I'm sure people are willing to open up and tell you and help you. And that's kind of my takeaway. Um, just step outside of your little comfort zone uh, and it's worth it. It really is. All right, guys. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, panelists. You guys are amazing. Thank you, Chris, uh, who is working the back scenes for us, but he's also in a meeting. So thank you, Chris. Renee, I hope you feel better soon. And guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank Bye you. Everybody. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.